This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox and in just a few moments we'll be joined by Stuart Zuckerman, founder and senior partner in the Zuckerman Law Group, who will take your calls about family matters. And later in our next hour, we're going to be at least as busy on the phones with two veterinarians joining us to take your questions about the creatures in your life. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. And the biggest story this week has been the spectacular fall in value for Facebook. On Thursday, Facebook lost almost $120 billion in value. That is the biggest single-day decline in history for any publicly held company. Why? Growth is slowing down. Now, it's important to point out that almost 20% of the world's population is on Facebook, and that's huge. But it also appears to be about the most this platform can attract. Forecasts for the second half of this year reflected that. And as a result, shareholders bailed on the stock. Combine slower growth figures and projections with the number of privacy and advertising problems Facebook has finally been caught with, and you have the perfect conditions for a sharp hit to the company's bottom line. Owner Mark Zuckerberg lost over $15 billion himself this week. No tag days. He's still worth over $65 billion. And Facebook, despite lower growth expectations, made over $5 billion and activity was up 42% in just the second quarter of this year. And that is cause for alarm? Apparently so, at least in the minds of many shareholders worried about market saturation. A brand of Pepperidge Farm goldfish crackers are being recalled due to salmonella contamination. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency says goldfish flavor blasted extreme cheddar crackers sold in both 180-gram and 69-gram packages are being recalled. The larger packages bear product codes listing several dates for next January and February, while the smaller packages display dates for January only. The food inspection people say the recall initiated by the Campbell Company of Canada was triggered by a similar action taken in the States this week where four types of goldfish crackers have been recalled. The federal agency says there have been no reported illnesses linked to eating these products which should be thrown out or returned to the store where purchased. For years here in Canada we have patted ourselves on the back for avoiding the U.S.'s housing bust of the last decade. We reminded ourselves constantly that our lending is more responsible than theirs. But in the wake of the U.S. housing bust, lenders there pulled back and tightened their standards. In Canada, in the intervening years, we've done the opposite. Subprime loans, the riskiest kind, have seen an explosion on this side of the border. CMHC is now trying to work out an arrangement with Canada Revenue Agency to reduce the number of suspicious reports of mortgage incomes that differ from, well, loan applications. A recent Equifax survey determined nearly 15% of Canadians say they've fudged on their mortgage applications at one time or another, especially in 
in the country's two most expensive markets, Toronto and here in Vancouver. No wonder the Bank for International Settlements has repeatedly named our country as a top candidate for a banking crisis. And no wonder CMHC wants tighter verification of incomes on mortgages, as they see a correlation between fraudulent mortgage applications and eventual mortgage defaults. No word yet on how much cooperation CMHC will get from the Revenue Department, but you can bet it will improve. And finally, a couple of news items for Vancouver consumers this week from TransLink. First, local boy made good Seth Rogen will be featured on some announcements on the SkyTrain system, which he's doing for free, and which our producer Ben Dooley will have a longer look at later in the hour. And second from TransLink for tonight and the next two nights of the Honda Celebration of Light, TransLink is increasing transit service and extending hours to ensure dependable rides to and from the fireworks shows. Expo and Millennium Line trains will run more frequently than usual through the entire evening, and Canada Line trains will be on a rush hour schedule all evening. C-Bus sailings will run every 10 minutes until 8 p.m. and every 15 minutes until midnight. Tonight, the fireworks begin with South Africa at 10 p.m. Sedine, uh, Sedine's, Sweden's turn. <laughs> the post-Sedine era. Can Sweden put on a show? Can they still do it? We'll find out Wednesday night. And we wrap things up a week from tonight with a display from South Korea. Last trains depart from Waterfront at approximately 1.15. Those are some of the week's top consumer stories. We'll review a few more later in the show. Stand by and get your phone questions on family law matters ready for the senior lawyer from the Zuckerman Law Group. Stuart Zuckerman is in studio to take your calls after the break. This is Vancouver Consumer and you're listening to CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this very warm Saturday afternoon, the last one of July. As it turns out, Sterling Fox with you, joined in studio by Stuart Zuckerman, who is the founder and senior partner of the Zuckerman Law Group. Welcome back, Stuart. Always a pleasure to have you on Vancouver Consumer. So, so pleased to be here. Thanks, Sterling. Well, and what's new in your life? We were just talking moments ago, and the conversation drifted in the general direction of a honeymoon. What's yes, going on Yes, here? I'm pleased to announce that uh, Vancouver's most eligible bachelor will be off the market as of... Next weekend, I'm getting married to my beautiful and lovely fiance Elena, and uh, my three gorgeous sons, Jacob, Michael, and Robbie, will be standing up as my uh, groomsmen uh, by my side, and uh, I'm very happy to also welcome my family from Montreal, my nieces, Liana and Serena, and my sister Mavis and her husband, Irwin, and my brother, Earl, all flew in uh, from Montreal in the past uh, week or two, uh, or a few days for some of them, uh, to uh, to join in the celebration next weekend, so I'm really looking forward to uh, an exciting uh, wedding next weekend. Well, congratulations, Stuart. Thank you very much. Well, that's a, It's an interesting uh, change of life for you, a family lawyer. A divorce lawyer getting no, married, g- yes. I know. That's, After that's, 15 years of bachelorhood, uh, I found uh, about uh, three years ago I met this woman and we've uh, been very close friends and uh, and uh, partners for the last two years and uh, and she's very sweet and caring and lovely and has a beautiful little six-year-old uh, daughter that I'm becoming a stepfather to and uh, it's a new... Ex- she's also 20 years younger than me, so she keeps me on my toes. I'll bet she does. <laughs> and uh, and uh, keeps me youthful and uh, and uh, and 
makes me a better man. She calls me out when I uh, when, when, I, when, I, when I give the bad excuses, <laughs> and uh, she's very uh, straightforward, logical, kind of this uh, very uh, analytical woman who keeps me on my toes, and we have great conversations, and uh, we're very happy together. Excellent. Yeah. So pleased to hear it. Good for you. Uh, there's a commercial running on, on Global these days uh, featuring Mr. Zuckerman, friends, and no doubt you've seen it, the Zuckerman Law Group, and, and Stuart's on camera, and <laughs> at the end of the ad, because they talk about the, the, the lawyers and, and your offices in Surrey and mm-hmm. here in Yale, town yep. and so on but you also at the very end of the ad look directly into the camera and say and i quote so call us before your spouse does yes and every time i see that ad i laugh out loud partly because i know you and your sense of humor and it's very funny yep. and secondly though it, it it the first time i saw it i turned to my wife and i said now that's interesting because that presents a i mean it's an interesting ad line for people in marital distress or discord occurring. Where do I go? I've got to get some advice here. I don't know what's going on. My life has just been turned upside down. Well, I I should call that guy probably before he does or whatever. But if suppose now, suppose I, uh, I'm getting divorced, okay? Yep. And I see your ad, and I'm, I'm calling that guy. Yep. And, and uh, you know, the ex might you know, be doing the same thing. If I call the Zuckerman Law Group and get a, a, some, some advice or some information, yep. and my ex also sees the ad and decides, these guys look worthwhile, I'm going to give them a try. Right. Uh, what, kind, what happens at the, at the other end? You're in the middle now yes. of two people. You have more than one. You've got nine lawyers in your firm. Can one lawyer handle one spouse and another lawyer, separate from no. that individual, handle the, uh, the opposing spouse? No, they can't. I'm glad you raised the, the question because I have had a few people uh, email or put a, a post on Facebook after seeing our TV ads saying, you know, this, this line, call us before your spouse does. It, does, it suggests that Zuckerman is an ambulance chaser. Um, and, uh, I, and I've I've emailed those people back and clarified that 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 line is actually, even though it may be a bit humorous, it's also an important line because it has to do with conflicts. What happens when when anybody calls our office, if they book an appointment with one of our lawyers, we take their name, we take their spouse's name, and both of their names go into a data bank uh, at our office um, so that if the second spouse calls a, a week later or a day later or an hour later, when we put in their names into the computer, we will see that their spouse has already, if their spouse has already re- called us or already received advice from one of our lawyers, then we cannot act for the second spouse. We can only act for one spouse. The conflict laws under the Law Society rules prevent ah. us from doing that. So, so even you know, though there are separate attorneys, it's the same firm. That's and correct. And the firm can only represent one party in the dispute. That's right. So if one person calls up and gets advice from me, and then uh, um, and even if they don't hire me, let's say they have a free consultation with me for 30 minutes and they, they don't hire me, and then a day later their husband calls up and says, I've got a million dollars to retain you, and comes to our firm and goes to Ron or somebody else and wants to pay us to retain us, we cannot accept and will not accept that person as a client. We won't give them advice. We'll look at our database and say, I'm sorry, we've already spoken to your spouse. We cannot give advice to you. We, We would have a conflict. Interesting stuff. Now, these are details that, especially in, in times of uh, marital distress, these are details that people simply, they just skip yeah. right by. Yeah, you, no idea. We don't know about them in the first place. Yeah. And when your life has just been turned completely upside down, it's a detail you're not even going to know about. That's correct, yeah. So, uh, well, it's good to know. So, uh, I do uh, appreciate the humor value in the advert, but it's also, there is a, a technical reason for it, too. Yes, it is. And, and uh, it's also working. We do get, uh, we're... 
our receptionist has been telling us that I'm, we're getting calls more and more frequently where someone uh, calls the firm and says, hi, I'm calling before my spouse does. Isn't can that I, funny? Can I meet with Mr. Zuckerberg? Well, so <laughs> so it, the ads are working. Uh, it's working. Well, I suppose, there you go. And, and uh, I hesitate to say it, but I suppose business is brisk. Uh, business is booming. We've, we've got uh, between the radio ads over the last year and the TV ads since June 1st on Global, uh, we've got a lot of uh, new clients coming into the firm. It's, uh, we're up to nine lawyers, and I'm interviewing people right now to add an additional articling student to our firm. If there's anyone out there looking for an articling position, they can send their resume to our firm. Uh, and I'm also um, interviewing potential uh, uh, more experienced lawyers to make to add a 10th lawyer to the firm in addition to an articling student. Interesting stuff. Uh, let's open up the phone lines. I haven't done so formally, even though Kenneth is already on the board from East Van. And we'll get to your call first, sir, in just a moment. 604-280-9898. If you have any questions on family law matters, uh, you have a family lawyer, the senior partner and the founder of the Zuckerman Law Group in studio for the next half hour or more. So uh, lots of legal advice available to you at 604-280-9898. I want to kind of take a strange tack for a couple of moments here, Stuart. I brought this to your attention just before we started. I saw it in the paper the other day. It was a piece on what, what I guess you guys in the family law business call gray divorce. Yes. Apparently there's an increase in Canadians of a certain age, as in gray heads, yep. uh, uh, elevating the, the levels of divorce across the country. What's up with that? Well, you know, people are living longer, uh, life expectancy is longer, and uh, people are focused on uh, happiness and uh, uh, living a happy life. And, and, you know, you do have people who are older now uh, coming to our firm who are just aren't happy in their uh, relationship and don't want to stick in a in a marriage in their 60s or 70s that uh, that they're unhappy with. I, I do recall years ago, in one of my, my first year of practice or second year at Macquarie Hunter in Surrey, I had a 94-year-old gentleman come in and he had been served with divorce papers by his 92-year-old wife oh my. and he was crying in my office well, that he, d- he didn't so. want to get divorced and and she wanted a divorce but that when I spoke with the opposing lawyer I discovered that my client uh, you know some senility had come in and he was being very abusive to his wife and uh, swearing and right. and she just couldn't live with his abuse his verbal abuse anymore and, and filed for divorce at age 92 so right. um, you know it happens at all ages so people uh, people are entitled to safety and happiness especially when you come to the uh, end stages of your life, you don't want to be miserable. So, uh, and and also, I think uh, people of that age are now seeing that it's more acceptable to uh, to divorce. Whereas in when they were younger, the thought of divorce was really a, a taboo in society, and and it was looked down upon. And now it's kind of you know fifty. There's a fifty percent divorce rate in Canada, so people aren't afraid to get divorced now. I appreciate that, but is it? Uh, it's kind of a philosophical question, Kenneth. Don't worry, we'll get to your call in just a second. I just have to ask the second half of the question: if it's if it's become certainly more socially acceptable to go through a divorce and all the rest of it, my gosh, even the Queen has family members now who are married to divorcees. Yes. For crying out loud, imagine. <laughs> but, you know, uh, is is the other side of that coin, Stuart, divorce is just too darn easy? You know, uh, well, we got married six months ago, and then we had this horrible argument, and it's over. We're getting a divorce. Well, Really? Come on. <laughs> I, unfortunately, Sterling, I, I can tell you that uh, these days, in the last five to ten years, I have been quite surprised to find a lot of people in their 20s and early 30s who've only been married for you know 12 months or two years coming in and saying had a fight with my wife and we're getting divorced as, as divorce lawyers we have a duty to talk about of course marriage counseling and we do talk about that with our uh, clients but people the, the young uh, crowd these days kind of enters marriage saying well let's try getting married and see if it works and then if it doesn't work no problem we'll it's get no divorced. biggie we can get a divorce yeah. it's pretty easy to do these yes. days yeah. and I suppose when you're young and there aren't a lot of assets 
or children, yeah, that makes it a lot easier to get a divorce. It becomes yeah. quite an easy process. Yes. Is it too easy? It's just paperwork. It is pretty easy. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't require much to get divorced. All you. All it needs is one spouse to say they 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 don't want to be with the other spouse, and if the other spouse objects, it's not going to stop the divorce. So it is pretty easy. Hmm. Let's go to the phones as it's starting to get a little busy there. Kenneth in East Vancouver. Thank you for waiting. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Um. Question for Stuart. Yep. Um. I purchased my home in Surrey six years ago for $600,000. My girlfriend moved in with me a few months later and was with me until a few months ago. She never paid anything towards the mortgage or the utilities or insurance. I alone paid those expenses plus property taxes and I paid all of our joint expenses like groceries, dining out and entertainment and so on. Mm -hmm. She kept her income separate from mine in her own account and she spent her income on whatever she wanted to buy for herself. My house is now worth $1.2 million, and about three years ago, I received an inheritance of $200,000, which I used to pay down the mortgage, so the current equity in the home is now close to $700,000. She's not entitled to any of that equity, is she? Well, I have uh, bad news for you, Kenneth. Um, the, in, in 2013, the Family Relations Act was repealed and replaced by the Family Law Act, and under the Family Law Act... Um, common law couples, that is spouses or people who have lived together in in a common law relationship uh, in for a period of, that is a spousal-like relationship for two years or more. Um, once you've passed that two-year mark, even if you're not married, you are a common law spouse and common law spouses have a presumed entitlement to 50% of the growth in equity from the date of cohabitation to the date of separation. So in your case, if the equity increased by $700,000 from the the date of cohabitation to the date of separation, um, the, the starting point would be that it's a there's a 50-50 uh, sharing in that growth in equity. However, you do have an exclusion for your $200,000 inheritance. So the Family Law Act does say if you receive gifts or inheritance, um, and if you can trace that into the equity of the property, um, that and if it was a gift only to you, not to you and your spouse, then that $200,000 would be excluded from the equity. So the equity would drop from seven hundred to five hundred, dollars But that $500,000 equity under the Family Law Act, the presumption would be that you'd each be entitled to half of that 250000 each, even though she didn't contribute to the mortgage or the hydro or the cable or the food or the groceries. There, There is a section of the Act that says if it would be substantially unfair to divide the equity 50-50, then the court can divide it other than 50-50. So there are some cases where there have been separate bank accounts, of use, as you've described. If your finances were completely separate from each other, you may have an argument for something more than 50% of the 500000 uh, of equity, uh, you definitely get a hundred percent of the two hundred thousand that can be traced to the inheritance. So the, the inheritance is Kenneth's to keep. That's and, right, and untouchable. That's right. Okay, and the but the the balance of the equity is subject to this fifty fifty split unless he could establish substantial unfairness, which is important because the old act used to talk about unfairness. The new act talks about substantial unfairness. So it has to be something more than just unfair for the court to move away from the fifty fifty division. I doubt this is what you wanted to hear, Kenneth. But does it help? A at least to clear matters up for you a bit. Yeah, it's pretty heavy, but sounds like I need a lawyer. It yeah. sure does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, you, you can find St- Stewart's firm, by the way, online, Kenneth, at Zuckerman Law, Z-U-K-E-R, ZuckermanLaw.ca. And they have offices in Surrey, where your property is, or in downtown Vancouver, in Yaletown. And, and all of the contact points are at ZuckermanLaw.ca. So give Stewart or one of his colleagues a call and uh, get this, get the wheels turning, okay? Thanks, fellas. I will. Thank you, Kenneth. Uh, do we have time for one more here before we need to take the break? Well, okay. So, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, uh, Anne in Surrey, we'll get to your call after the news break. Fred in Vancouver and others on the line. 604, it's uh, 280-9898. That's the direct line to our studio. 604-280-9898. We've only got a couple of minutes before the news uh, break here, Stuart. Uh, and this matter of the inheritance, as long as you can define in your life, an inheritance of, of whatever, uh, then that is yours and yours alone, yeah, you have regardless to able, of the marital arrangement. Yes, you have to be able to trace the inheritance. You have to show the money coming into your account and then the money going out of that account into the property if you want to exclude it. So the Family Law Act has this element of tracing where as long as you can prove the money came from this uh, inheritance or in other circumstances, premarital money, for example, uh, is also excluded. If you brought money into the marriage and put it into a home, that money is excluded as well. It's only the growth both in equity that occurs during the cohabitation or during the marriage that's subject to the 50-50 split, and that split is subject to these exclusion of inheritances or premarital money, things like that. Okay, more of your calls on family law matters to the founder and senior partner of the Zuckerman Law Group, Stuart Zuckerman, in studio on Vancouver Consumer. We're back after the news. And welcome back to the show on a muggy Saturday. The big fireworks show will smooth things out at 10 o'clock this evening with South Africa kicking things off over English Bay. Uh, it's Stuart Zuckerman, the founder and senior partner of the Zuckerman Law Group in studio, taking your calls on family law matters. Uh, during the break, uh, we were talking about Kenneth's call and, yep. and his surprise is, uh, the, that he is on the hook, if you will, yep. for uh, 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 splitting the assets in terms of the accumulation of equity in his property, uh, given that the the former uh, partner uh, has paid nothing into it. The law doesn't see it that way. The only way that Kenneth could have uh, protected his uh, growth in equity yes. in his home would, Stuart, uh, have been if he and his former partner had had a prenup agreement specifically stating that. Uh, that's right. Well, in his case, since he didn't marry, it would be called a cohabitation agreement. Okay. Uh, but a prenuptial agreement, a cohabitation agreement, a marriage agreement are all eff- essentially the same thing. Right. Two people who are going to be living together enter into a contract, an agreement with each other. That contract can set out any terms and it could, it, and often the purpose of that contract is that it will have a clause that will say that each party keeps their own growth in equity in their assets and that neither party will share, for example, in the growth in RRSPs, pensions, equity in homes or other things. Uh, and you can attach a schedule saying all the things in my schedule A are mine and all the growth in equity in those things are mine. Everything in schedule B is yours and I waive and release all the growth in equity in those claims okay. and those assets. And then those agreements will be held up under the Family Law Act as long as both spouses had independent and legal advice, um, generally those agreements are upheld uh, by the courts, uh, and that's a way to protect yourself. Uh, and, and it's an important uh, thing to get a cohabitation agreement uh, if you're going to be getting married or you're going to be living with each other uh, to, in order to protect your, your future assets, unless you want to subject yourself to the the, uh, the Family Law Act and its provisions. Interesting stuff. And of course, you know, and, and the big speed bump to get over to get all of this accomplished 
is how unromantic it is. Because here you are, you're about to start a life together, and you're in love, and it's all hearts and flowers, and you want to talk to me about equity in my property, yes. and you want to keep yours, and come on, is this, a, is this love, or is this a business deal? Yeah, well, I mean, you, you, the, there is that aspect of it. I can tell you with, with my own situation, I have got a cohabitation or a marriage agreement with my fiancé, and you know, certainly you have some difficult conversations when you're negotiating those terms, but if you love each other and you care about each other, and you're clear about what your your financial obligations and your financial interests with each other are going to be, then it's very easy to uh, to put that down in paper and and get an agreement drawn between you. It it, it does involve a certain fundamental level of honesty with each other, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And conversations that, in many cases, people get married without really ever discussing financial issues at all, shopping habits, savings, or lack thereof. I mean, a lot of details simply get pushed aside because, well, it's all hearts and flowers. That's why it's a very good idea to, to, to talk about and have a marriage agreement or a cohabitation agreement because you can set out in that agreement not only stuff about assets, but you can also set out who's going to pay certain bills and how you're going to share certain expenses. So all those things can be set out in an agreement. Interesting stuff. Back to the phone. 604-280-9898. Anne in Surrey, thank you so much for your patience. Good afternoon. Oh, hi. Um, just have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been married for 15 years, and we have two children together with my ex-spouse. One is five, and the other one is seven. Um, My husband cheated on me and carried out a secret affair with his secretary for the last three years. And we have separated, and he's living right now with his secretary, who is uh, 25, and he's 42. And I just don't think it's healthy for my children to visit this place. I feel like he's a liar and manipulator. And I just don't feel that he should see his children in her presence. I just, I just don't think it's right for them. And are you asking, Anne, whether it's possible to get some kind of court order to validate your feelings? Yeah, I just wonder if it's possible to restrict the children to be there while she's there. It just... I just don't know. Mr. Zuckerman? Okay. It's kind so, of the right thing for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and this is a very common thing that I hear. People do have affairs, and usually the spouse who is shocked by the secret affair, uh, they have a different perception of their spouse. The, the, the spouse carried on an affair for three years, so for three years he lied to you about where he was and what he was doing, um, and that, that creates in the, in the, in the uh, harmed spouse's mind the idea that the other spouse is uh, not who he said he was and maybe he poses a danger to the children, etc. And also you have this issue that he's with a now a new younger person and, the, and the, the, the woman left behind doesn't feel comfortable with this new person being with her children. Uh, unfortunately for you, Anne, our, our courts do say that uh, what's in the best interest of the children generally is maximum contact with both parents and and courts also say that people are allowed to kind of move on with their lives the court's not going to restrict him from having the children while his girlfriend is with him unless the girlfriend is either an alcoholic or a drug addict or is uh, abusive to the children right right. those are the only circumstances under which the court would um, put in some kind of restraining order to prevent who he can have the children with but otherwise the court will say um, generally speaking if everything else is normal and the father was an active participating father, he'd be entitled to something along the lines of shared custody, 50-50 care, and he's entitled to have the children with him, whether he's got them when his aunt is there or his sister is there that you don't like or his girlfriend is there that you don't like. That's not um, that's not a, a situation that the court would restrain or restrict the husband from having his children with him. And any follow-ups? 
I guess I guess I'll have to uh, to see a lawyer and just discuss it in more detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- it's a good idea to get advice from a lawyer. You know, as I said, if there's if there's particular circumstances about this girlfriend that uh, would uh, lead to uh, such as drug use or anything like that, that might be an issue. But in the normal case, he he would get uh, some access. But speaking to a lawyer will help you understand what your rights and your obligations are. That's the that's the first step to take. And you can uh, talk to when uh, you're in Surrey, and Zuckerman Law has an office on 152nd Street in Surrey. At uh, what's the cross street? It's it's uh, close to number ten, isn't yes, it? Yes, we're just one block south of Highway Ten. Right, exactly. On and the other office is downtown on Mainland Street in Yaletown in Vancouver. And you can find uh, Mr. Zuckerman's uh, contact points, as in his phone number, at ZuckermanLaw.ca. And now I'm not going to ascribe motive to Anne here or put any words in her mouth, mm-hmm. but because this happens frequently, as you say. Yes. So the desperate uh, a person, mother of the children, mm-hmm. doesn't want the uh, ex's girlfriend. Uh, they don't want. She doesn't want her kids around this. Yes. So she decides. Well, if uh, okay, so the, the so there has to be abuse, or the person has to be a substance abuser, or something like that. So, Your Honor, uh, she's an alcoholic. I don't want my children anywhere near her. So the court, I would assume, Stewart is going to say, really, prove it. Well, it's always there has to be evidence on a balance of probabilities on anything you want to establish in court. So the there has to be sufficient evidence to tip the scales of justice to 51%, so the judge believes at least there's a 51% probability or more um, that the that the allegation is true, and if those facts are established, then the court can uh, can restrain. And, so, and, you know, there are interim applications where the court looks at that, and then there are trials where people are called to testify and are cross-examined, and that's where the court really determines in a trial, hearing witnesses and hearing cross-examination determines credibility and makes those findings about, about uh, find, findings of because you hear stories, you hear stories about people, one parent deciding that, uh, you know, in order to really stack the deck as they see it against the uh, offending ex, that they're going to make all of these spurious allegations of not only infidelity, but perhaps substance abuse and, and other forms of bad behavior, yes. uh, simply to try and influence the court in their favor. Does that backfire frequently? It, it can. I, I've had lots of cases where um, kind of uh, uh, scorned wives have come in with printouts from the their husband's internet history, and you see that he's looked at a lot of porn sites, and, the, and she's shocked by this, and maybe the titles of the porn sites are very disturbing. Right. Um, and uh, and she says, I don't want my children anywhere near this guy because he's looking at porn. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the court will say, if you put that evidence into court, the court's going to say, unless there's evidence that the father is showing the porn to the children right, or, right. or looking at that in front of children, there's no evidence to suggest that he is doing anything inappropriate with the children. And so the, the mere fact that he looks at porn is not going to be sufficient to restrain him from seeing his children. So, you know, that, and that goes with all sorts of things. If, if someone alleges, uh, very frequently someone alleges that the husband is a drug addict, the, the husband can go out and get a hair follicle test, it will show the last three months or sometimes longer, depending on the strip of hair they take, um, how many, uh, might three to six months of drug use mm-hmm. or or um, uh, cocaine or barbiturates or opiates that will all show up in your hair. Interesting. Um, and so if a husband wants to say, no, I'm not an addict, I'm, he can get a hair follicle test, that can prove his, his innocence. Wow. Back to the phones because it's busy. Fred in Vancouver, thank you for waiting. Good afternoon. Hi. Um, the post-divorce uh, problem, I guess. When when we went through our divorce, uh, my my income varies from year to year, so we allowed for that in the divorce that uh, each year I would uh, submit my income tax and then the amount would be vary from year to year. Okay. However, my wife has, um, well, right out straight off, she submitted it to the Family Maintenance Enforcement Program, 
And as far as they're concerned, the original amount is what they're going to collect from me every month, regardless of, you know, what has happened with my income. And I really don't know if there's any way to get that to be changed. I'm thinking perhaps I need to get a a new court order or something to get that changed, and then I have to... You would either need to uh, to get a a new court order reflecting your current obligations based on your current income, or uh, you would have to get your spouse to sign a written agreement re- revising um, the support she amounts. She won't do that. So if she won't do that, then you need to bring an application to court. And and you know if you if you retained a lawyer, typically before the lawyer would put you to the expense of a court, they would write a letter to your spouse saying, you know, here's what we understand the facts are from your husband. Here's the income information we have. Here's what his obligations are under the child support and spousal support guidelines uh, and under your agreement if you do not consent to this change that we want in writing we will pursue a court application we will seek costs against you and we reserve the right to show this letter to the judge after we win to to ask for what's called double costs so that you uh, the spouse who's not cooperating may be forced to pay our clients a good portion of our clients legal fees if you force us to go to court and we succeed and we've given him our opinion that we're going to succeed and we strongly suggest you get your own legal advice and we expect that your lawyer is going to tell you that yes if he goes to court he's going to win and yes, you're going to face costs if you force them to this expense. So hopefully that process and, you know, 80% of the time, 70% of the time, that process results in a consent order rather than forcing you to court. Okay, yeah, because that's one of the big issues. I mean, it, 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 right now it's only about $30 a month that I'm paying too much. But, yeah, you can um, ask for you know, the uh, cre- a credit back when you go to court in your court application or in your agreement for the overpayments that you've made. The court will credit you for the overpayments, and they'll inst- the, you can get a, an order directing FMEP to uh, to only enforce the new amount rather than the old amount. Okay, uh, second follow-up, again with the FMEP. Um, my, my son has actually took the, uh, he's older in college, he was in college, he took the, the term off from uh, since January. And FMEP decides, or their policy is that I should keep paying, um, despite the fact that he's taking time off because he is supposedly planning on going back in September. Yeah. Um, um, so he's still categorized as a student then? As, as a student, right. even though he's not. And, and on top of that, um, I'm, 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 I'm not positive because I couldn't get any confirmation from him, but I believe he is paying room and board to his mom. And to me, that sounds like it's double dipping, that if he's paying room and board and I'm paying support for him, um, there's something not right about that. Right. Well, if he was out of school permanently, uh, had graduated or is just not going back to school, there's, there's, you could definitely go to court and get him declared not to be a child of the marriage. Um, it is possible if you went to court that for the months that he's not in school and living with his mom that you don't have to pay support until he's uh, back in school. So you could argue that he's not a child of the marriage during the months that he's not going to school. There is an argument for that. Typically, though, courts, if someone like went to school till the end of term in May or June and then had the summer off and goes back to school in September, normally courts will not stop the support over right. the summer because right. they're still dependent upon their mother. And and the other factor is if he's working and earning an income that's enabling him to pay his mother room and board, that would be a factor for the court to decide whether he was a child of the marriage during the months that he was out of school. But it, because if he's self-supporting during those months and able to pay rent, uh, then he may not be uh, dependent on the parents and, uh, and child support may not be payable during those periods. Or it may be less than the table amount if the court determines that. Because mm-hmm. once the child's over 19, the court isn't necessarily bound by the table amounts. They have a discretion to see whether the 
the table amounts are appropriate. Oh, okay, Fred, thanks for the call. Hopefully this has been of some assistance. Back to the phones and back to Surrey. Harge, thank you for waiting. Good afternoon. Hi, Stuart. This is Harge. I don't know if you recall me. I do recall um, you. In 2016, I... Uh, hired you as my lawyer and uh, for a tumultuous time in my life. And I just want to say congrats on uh, the, the news that you announced with uh, Elena. Well, thank and, you. Uh, and I really appreciate the idea of how you helped me out in my trial and conducted the trial and got me joint guardianship with my daughter. And um, I think you're well aware of how, uh, how how much she was after me, really, with uh, false allegations and such. And, and I really appreciate uh, how you changed my life in, in a positive manner with me and my daughter. And uh, we're doing great as well, too. And uh, I just wanted to take the time out and reach out and uh, to thank you and congratulations. I, I very much appreciate the call, Harge. I do remember you. It was a very a tumultuous case. We went to trial, and I cross-examined Harge's wife yeah. ex- extensively for uh, about a full day or a day and a half. And that that forced her to settle the case we were we had i think what was set for 10 days of trial and on the third or so or fourth day i cross-examined his wife and she fell apart under cross-examination and and then she was begging for a settlement after that and we ended up settling the case on the i think on the on the fifth or the sixth day of trial saving harge some money so that was a that was a, i'm glad to hear the update and that you're doing well with your daughter appreciate the call harge uh, let's get in patrick here because he's been waiting quite a while as well in vancouver patrick yeah, good afternoon hi, hi there uh, just a little bit more on the house assets um on, on all assets, does that include like cash? I say a person has a million dollars in the bank, and also rental property um, uh, and pensions. Yes. Um, and also, what if the value of the property drops? Does that mean they have to pay you money? Okay, so uh, the, the <laughs> it's something we don't haven't thought about for a lot of years in Vancouver, but you know it doesn't mean it can't happen. Interesting well, question, the, Patrick. The, the first general question is about what assets are covered by this, and it's all assets. So okay. money in the bank, RRSPs, pensions, equity in property, equity in in rental property. All those things are subject to a fifty. The growth is subject to a fifty-fifty split. The growth from the time of cohab to the time of separation, and often to the time of trial after separation, is subject to a fifty-fifty split. Um, um, debts that are incurred by either party during the cohabitation are also presumptively subject to the 50-50 split if they were incurred for a family purpose. So, um, so you know, it's not, you know, if, if the equity dropped, but there's still equity left, um, which is higher than the equity that there was on the date of cohabitation, there is still something to split 50-50. But if the, if the equity became something negative, like if, uh, let's say the roof caved in and for some reason there was no insurance on the house and, and uh, the, the value of the house, the market value of the house is less than the what's owing on the mortgage. Mm. Um, and if that occurred during the cohabitation, the argument would be that that debt, uh, that negative equity, is subject to the 50-50 split. There would be that argument. Interesting stuff. Patrick, does that help at all? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'm still not... I, I know you just explained it. I'm not clear on one thing. If a house is valued at a million dollars and it drops to 700000 to me, I see a $300,000 uh, deficit and... And the, the one person would owe the other one hundred fifty thousand. Well, uh, if the uh, if the equity uh, at the time of cohabitation was a uh, million dollars, and then the equity at the time of separation is is seven hundred thousand, then there has been a three hundred thousand drop during the relationship. Um, the, I don't think the Family Law Act. I don't have it in front of me, but I don't believe it deals with negative equity in that sense. It deals with debt. That if debt is created, it can be subject to the split, and it right. deals with growth in equity being divided. Um, so that would be an interesting argument to argue that uh, if the equity drop, both parties should share the loss in equity. 
it, it, it has a possible there's a possibility of making that argument um, and, and a court hearing but there's no presumptive right as there is with the growth in equity Patrick I have to leave it there in the interest of time but if you'd like to have this conversation extended you can go to zuckermanlaw.ca and uh, the contact points the addresses uh, of the offices on 152nd Street in Surrey and on Mainland Street in Yaletown and downtown Vancouver all the phone numbers the uh, the email addresses all that stuff at zuckermanlaw.ca and Stuart of course that first all important what on earth do i do now my life is just the trap door is open and everything has gone straight to hell in a handbasket that interview that first consultation is still free isn't it it, it is we provide a free consultation to anybody who calls us as long as we haven't first uh, given any advice to their spouse and uh, that that consultation is often 30 minutes sometimes it goes as long as an hour but um, we do provide a free consultation where you learn all your rights and all your obligations and all your spouse's rights and all his obligations and that is something that people need to understand before before they start talking to their spouse about resolving or settling things. We'll leave you uh, with Mr. Zuckerman's great TV line. So call us before your spouse does. Zuckermanlaw.ca. Stuart, always a pleasure. Uh, definitely a pleasure. Thank you very much. Our, our pleasure entirely. Have a great day. Great. We're, we're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Stuart Zuckerman for another very informative visit. And thanks for your calls, too. Next hour, we expect our phone lines to be at least as busy again as we have two veterinarians lined up to take your calls about your pets. Time now for Dooley Noted. And this time around, our producer, Ben Dooley, has a look at a familiar voice as the new voice of TransLink. Thanks, Sterling. Vancouverites taking transit. We're chuckling along to the voice of comedian Seth Rogen Friday afternoon. TransLink announced the Vancouver-born actor-director as its new guest voice for transit on Thursday. And the star himself seems to think the idea is as funny as everyone else does. Um, I thought it was hilarious was one of the things that, I, that really made me want to do it. Rogan's stint as the voice of Vancouver Transit was born from a Twitter joke by a Vancouver reporter that prompted a series of back-and-forth tweets with TransLink. But the actor said, in all seriousness, he was thrilled at the chance to represent his hometown. I'm just proud of being from Vancouver, and so, like, again, any, like, any, any way to work my way deeper into the the DNA of the city of Vancouver was something I was excited about also. Rogan grew up in Vancouver, attending Point Grey Secondary School, and said the city had a massive impact on his development, including his breakout film, Superbad. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before the news. Starting this fall semester, Douglas College will join Kwantlen and Langara as a smoke-free zone. The school is getting rid of its designated smoking areas after 75% of survey respondents said they're bothered by secondhand smoke on campus, and the survey covered smoking and vaping, and both are now banned on all campuses. News this week from the Gallup poll, folks, that smoking in America is at an all-time low. 16% of American adults say they've smoked a cigarette in the past week. That is, by 1%, the lowest level since Gallup began asking Americans about their smoking habits back in 1944. And in that year, 41% said they'd had a smoke in the past week, down to 16 now. The new numbers reflect the most significant decline is in smokers aged 18 to 29, also the least 
unlikely age group to have any sympathy for smokers. The Delta Lifeboat will be on display and open to visitors this weekend at the Richmond Maritime Festival from 10 a.m. to 6 each day. That would be today and tomorrow. The vessel will be loaded, located at the Britannia Heritage Shipyard in Steveston, where all the historical vessels will be on display. A great outing for families with kids or locals with visitors. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at a few more after the news, and then we will welcome your calls about your pets to our two veterinarian guests. And that is coming up. And if you want to secure a spot on the phone board and are prepared to wait a whole long time, you can do that. Otherwise, we'll catch you on the flip side of the news. Open up the phone lines again and have a go at uh, pets and all the questions you can imagine about dogs and cats. And we'll tell you about a, a special adoption thing going on for adult cats at the SPCA across the province this weekend. Half price, you know. This is Vancouver Consumer, and we're back after the news. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.